Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Judges chapter 6 and verse number 11. <clears throat> and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was at Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Ebenezite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. I drop down to 7.15. We're just going to have to kind of skip through this story, if you'll allow me. <clears throat> 7.15. And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered in, into your hands the host of the Midianites. And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand and an empty pitcher and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise, and behold, when I come outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. And when I blow with the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all of the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three hundred and the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their hands, and the trumpet in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And, and the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the, Lord of, and the Lord's every man's sword against his fellow, even through all, out, all of the host. And the host fled to Bethlehem, Shittim, and Jerah, into the borders of Ebelmetha and Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. <clears throat> Let's have a word of prayer. Father, how I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for what we've heard already this morning, the testimony, Lord, of Lord, what, what can be accomplished by these shoeboxes. Lord, I thank you for our congregation here at the church. I thank you for your word. And Lord, this message I have on my heart, Lord, I, I pray you would calm me down. Lord, I pray that I would not get in the way nor interfere with what you have to say to your people. Lord, may our hearts be opened, uh, Lord, to your, to your message this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. And amen. <clears throat> So the story of Gideon is a tremendous story. It, it, we don't have time to go into all the details of it this morning. Uh, I, I challenge, if you're not 
if you've been in church a long time, you probably know the story. You probably heard it preached on many times. If you don't know the story, I encourage you to go back and read it because it is really a fascinating story. Uh, but the Midianites had come and taken over Israel. And it tells us that, a uh, little interesting note, but the Midianites came from Abraham's, uh, he, there was one of Abraham's descendants after Sarah died and he married again and then he had the children there. One of them was the Midianites that, that they came from. They were actually in West uh, uh, Arabia is where they were at. And they had come up and they were taking all of the food from the, from the Israel. And so Israel was very poor. They were, they were uh, being... Um, um, ruled by the Midianites, and God comes to uh, Gideon and says, O mighty man of valor. Now he's hiding because he's afraid, right? He's afraid, and, and God says, O mighty man of valor. So we go from that point when he calls him, then we read the story of how Gideon goes and he wins the battle, and it's an, and it's an amazing thing. He, he This man who was hiding is used by God to do great things. But I, I wanna, we've heard that story before, but let's look at what Gideon couldn't see his eyesight. And I, I think it's, I think we can learn some things this morning. I hope that it will uh, be helpful to us uh, here at Sand Hill. But but um, oh, let me say this before I go any further. <clears throat> How many of you know who David Jeremiah is? Okay. Uh, I asked Renee about this because uh, she's kind of really big into this more than I am. But this is what David Jeremiah said, so things may change a little bit with our, with our note-taking around here. But Renee's done that scripture writing thing that you that a lot of you women do, but they've studied it out, and, and David Jeremiah actually said that he does this always, but when you write something out, there's a part of the brain that it stays in, as opposed to just hearing it. So in other words, you just read the answer, that it's easy, that, but when you write it out, so we're going to start doing a little bit more writing out here, so we're going to, uh, that, that's going to probably change a little bit, see if that tends to stick with us a little bit more. So the first thing I want you to, to look at, point number one, Gideon didn't see the process. So Gideon is called, he's scared to death, uh, he's scared that uh, he, had, God says, you're going to go fight the Midianites, and he says, oh no, can't do that. So Midian, uh, Gideon goes through a process, uh, first of all, he he tells the angel, he's talking to the angel of the Lord, and, and he tells the angel, he says, to stay right here, I'm going to go get a sacrifice. And he goes and gets a, a, a kid and a, uh, some, some meal and stuff, and he brings it back. And, and, the, and the angel says, set it down on a rock, and fire comes from heaven and just completely consumes the sacrifice. That ought to be pretty good evidence, amen? If you were out and, and the fire fell from heaven and consumed something, that would be pretty good evidence. Well, that was, that was a process Gideon was going through because God had already said you're going to win the battle. God, listen, if God says you're going to win a battle, is that enough? That's enough. But Gideon had to go through a process. What I'm trying to get you to see is he wasn't in a place to where he needed to be. God, uh, Gideon goes on a little farther and he says, I know you've already said that you're going to uh, give me the victory. He says, I know you've already said uh, you've already brought down fire from heaven, but could you do another trick for me? And he sets out a fleece, a piece of wool, and he sets it out on the ground. And he says, now tomorrow I want there to be dew on the fleece, on the wool, but everything else dry. God did it. And then he said, well, that was a neat trick. But he said, could you now let me put this dry piece of wool out here and let it be wet everywhere else, but let it be dry on the thing. Now that's a really good trick. But what I'm trying to show you is it's a process that Gideon was going through. What was happening through all of that? Gideon was growing 
being able to be used by God. God was, God was increasing his faith, increasing his understanding. Uh, he, he told him, he said, go out and destroy the altars of Baal. Uh, that was a hard thing for him. He slips out at nighttime, destroys the altars of Baal, goes back and hides, right? But it was an act of obedience. What I'm trying to show you is all through this thing, God is doing uh, work in Gideon's life. God is making Gideon to where we're going to get to the seventh chapter where he's going to actually go and win the battle. But what I'm trying to show you is that process had to happen before Gideon could be used, but Gideon missed that. Do you know what Gideon was focused on? Himself. He said, I'm afraid I'm going to die here. <laughs> I'm a nobody. I can't go to battle. I'm, I'm afraid. And he, and he missed the process of what God was doing uh, to bring him to be this mighty man of valor. Here's a thought for you. Was God lying when he caught Gideon and he said, Oh, mighty man of valor? But Gideon couldn't see that. Guess what? Neither could anybody else. <laughs> right? Nobody could see he was a mighty man of valor. But God said, Thou mighty man of valor. And God made him a mighty man of valor. And what I'm trying to show you is there was a process it took to get him there, and Gideon couldn't see that. So I want to ask you, Sandhill Church, I want to ask you, do you see the process? Do you see the process? How many of you know we've been going through a process? We've went through tragedy. We went through heartache. We went through disappointment. We went through Bible studies. We went through stepping out on faith. We went through, we went through all kinds of things for a lot of years now to bring us to the point we are. But a lot of us are saying, I don't, I didn't even know we were going through a process. God is bringing us to a point to be able to do something with this. And I think a lot of us have just like getting, we've missed. The process. Do you know the Bible says, I want you to think about this. this. I know this is a corporate message, so I'm not so much preaching to you as an individual, but I want you to see the corporate picture here. But do you know that the Bible says that every little problem we've had in this church will work to our good? Every time someone passed, Every time there was a sickness, every time there was a heartache, every time there was a disappointment, every time there was a stepping out in faith, every time there was a, a new thing preached we had to move up to, everything that has happened all worked together to bring us to where we're at. We're in a process. Do you guys see that? Let's don't miss it like Gideon did. Let's don't miss it as a process. But, let, but let's go on to point number two. Uh, Gideon could not see the potential so God, God calls him to do this. this thing. He calls to the, to the tribes around him. He says, send your warriors out here. They send him 32,000 people. Pretty good sized army, 32,000. Now you got to understand, he's going up. The Bible says the Midianites was a number that no man could number. There was a huge army. So this 32,000 was still very insignificant to fight this battle. But God said, that's too many. If you go out there with that many, you'll surely you'll start thinking you did it, not me. So here's what God said. He said, you've got 32,000 men. He said, just go out there and say, if any of you is afraid, just go back home. <laughs> 22,000 packed their bags and went back home, right? That, so now he says 10,000, and Gideon's thinking, oh, man, that's, that's, not, that's not even close to enough people. God says, you still got too many. So he sends them down to the water, and he said, those that bow down on their knees, uh, we don't need them, but those that stand up and lap and look around while they're, while they're doing it, those are the ones you want. So everyone left except for 300 men. Now, 32,000 was not enough, but 300, come on, God. 
I mean, that, that's not even close. To go out to an to a, a army of, of hundreds of thousands with 300 men, that's ridiculous. But see, what, what Gideon didn't see was the potential. Do you know what you could do with 300 hand-picked men that God has set up for battle? You can whoop an army. I'm going to make a statement. You can do what you want to with it, but I believe it. But I'm going to make a statement. Gideon's 300 men, I want you to think about this. Gideon's 300 men that were handpicked by God could have whooped any army on the planet. I think about that. His 300 men could have beat any army on the planet. The ones that had thousands of thousands, the ones that had a million, it didn't matter. They could have beat anyone. Why? Because what army is there that God cannot conquer? Right? God could conquer any army. So, God, so he couldn't see the potential that was there of doing great things with this army that God was building. <clears throat> See, God won the battle. It was never Gideon that won it. God won it. But Gideon uh, had to be prepared to be used. So I asked Sand Hill Church, not only do we not want to miss the process, but let's don't miss the potential. I, I, I hope most of you have gotten past this, but we don't have enough people here. Right? We don't have enough people here to do 1,200 shoeboxes. When the girls said out last week, they come to me and they said, we're going to do 1,000 shoeboxes, I know a lot of you thought, what are they thinking? Are they crazy? Us little congregation, we can't do 1,000 shoeboxes. But we did. And then some. This little tiny church that is a little, little tiny church that is nobody cannot host the biggest youth camp, possibly the biggest youth camp in the country, Free Baptist. But we did. But we did. This little tiny church, last, last week was over there. Uh, by the way, I've got to say a lot about it, but I thought last week the Fall Fest was just absolutely awesome. That was just absolutely amazing. But I had, I had different ones walk up to me, and that's what they said. They looked around at everything that was going on, and they said, a little church is doing all of this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, just like Gideon, we can say, we don't have that many people. We can hide behind excuses. We can do nothing. Or we could say, hey, if we got 300 people of God, we can take on any army. See, do we believe that Sand Hill Church has to have 500 people in order to do great things? Or do we believe that it is our great God that will do great things and it doesn't really matter how many people he's got? Jonathan went out with his armor bearer and, you know, Saul was afraid and Jonathan went out with his armor bearer and they slipped up in there and, and Jonathan said, well, who knows if God could, could deliver with few or with many and two of them took on the Philistine army. See, what he's saying is God doesn't go by numbers. Now, when Jesus was here, he fed 5,000 men, probably 15, 20,000 people, uh, with, with five loaves and two small fishes. How many of you know he could have fed all of those people with no loaves and no fishes? Did he need those fishes? 
Did he? I've heard preachers preach they were little sardines and they were little biscuits and they were. This. Can I tell you, it doesn't make a difference. Sister Bowman, if you're going to feed 20,000 people, does it matter if the bread is this big or this big? Doesn't matter. If you're feeding 20,000 people, it ain't enough, right? See, that's not what matters. What matters is God did it. And when God is doing it, then, then it doesn't matter how big it is. And Gideon couldn't see the potential that God had handpicked 300 men to go fight this battle who had been processed and been prepared to do this. And I want to say to Sandhill Church, uh, do we see the process we've been through, but do we see the potential of what we can do? And last off, I want us to look at, at, at Gideon couldn't see the purpose. See, God was, was building an army that was going to show the glory of God. He specifically told him. He said, Gideon, if you go out there with 32,000 people, you will start saying you did it. And I want you to know I did it. Now listen to me. Please pay attention. Please pay attention. Is it possible that God looks down to a little church and says, I want people to know it's me and not them. And I'm going to use a little church instead of a big church. Because if a big church did it, then they'd say, wow, look at what, look at all the people they have. But if a little church does it, they're going to say, ain't no way those people could do it. It must be God. It's all about the glory of God. And see, Gideon was going into this battle. Do you think anybody thought when it was all said and done, those 300 men got done, do you think those men went back there and said, yep, we whooped them? They said, no, God, did you see what God did? Did you see what God did? He just delivered a huge army into our hands, 300 men. And I want you to see that that's how God works. There's a purpose for it. Uh, God was going to take a small army and do the impossible. Can God take a small church and do the impossible? Are you guys getting the, the, the getting the picture? But there were supernatural things that went in and Gideon's went on in Gideon's story. Let me just give you just a couple of them. <clears throat> so Gideon gets real afraid. And, he, and, he's, and he's ready to go to battle, and he's been through all this processing and all this preparation. And God says, if you're still scared after everything I've done, everything I've showed you, he said, I want you to slip down there, take this other man with you, slip down there, get real close to the, uh, the, the Midianite army, and just listen. And he goes down there, and he hears them talking. Now, he's hiding. They don't even know he's there. They hear, they hear him, them talking, and this is what they say. I had a dream last night. And a stone come rolling down, and it was the sword of Gideon. And Gideon got all excited. He said, oh, God's going to deliver us. They're over there thinking about us. What would have caused them to do that? God was already working in their head about Gideon coming. When Gideon gets there, I'm not going to, you know, all these preachers have all these different explanations for why you can take a lantern and, and, a, and a torch and a trumpet and, and win the battle and all this. All this. I'm, not, I'm not here to preach that this morning. But I just want to say this here. That army was already being prepared by God to be afraid before Gideon ever got there. And when Gideon showed up, they're like, oh, my gosh, let's run. That's supernatural. He didn't put out flyers and say, look how great Gideon is. He didn't. It was God that did it. It was supernatural that it happened. It says that this great, huge army started killing each other. They started taking their sword and killing each other. So they're not fighting with Israel. They're fighting with each other, and they're killing each other. And Gideon just stand back watching them kill each other, right? If you go back and study the Old Testament, you study the whole thing out, you'll learn all of the battles that, that Israel fought there's really no record of them being went into battle. Sometimes there were great stones fell out of heaven. 
Sometimes the hornets came in and run them out. Sometimes they got confused and started fighting with each other. Sometimes they heard a noise and it made them run. There was all kinds of things. Supernatural things happened. It wasn't the people fighting. It was God. We have to understand at Sand Hill Church, God's not interested in making a name for Sand Hill. But, amen? God's not interested in making a name for Sand Hill. But God's interested in making a name for himself. And if he can take a little church and do great things, he's interested in that. So there's a purpose. We've been through the process. I hope you can see that. We, we have a potential to do great things at Sand Hill, and God has a purpose of doing it. I'm going to use a little church that's nobody to do great things that no one will believe. And we got to see that, people. we got to see that. we got to understand that. So... <clears throat> I hope that was, I would love to have a lot more time to preach that out a lot better than what I did, but I want to, I want to go on to just try to give you some things uh, to look at. As has already been mentioned, um, this little church has done more in OCC than most of all the big churches we're associated with, by far. We, we, we go around there and are like, well, we're three times bigger than you, but we did 50 boxes. Well, <laughs> we got a big God. See, we got to understand this. It isn't because I think you guys are awesome. I really do. I think you guys are awesome. But it isn't because you guys are awesome. It's because God's awesome. Amen? Amen. And, and, and so we can do great things. We have this NOYC, uh, this youth camp. And I think everybody is like, how is this happening? How is this happening from Sand Hill? It is not us. It is God. And, and now there's a lot of questions I know going on, and, and uh, people ask me, and I know they ask Josh, I know everyone's scratching their head, what in the world are you going to do if another 200 kids come? I quit. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? But here's the thing, God, how in the world is, how can anybody in the right mind take a little church and say you're going to do that? It doesn't make any sense. It's how God works. It's how God works. I don't know how many people were there last week. Amy tried counting for a half hour or something. She got up to almost 400. She's like, <laughs> but there were a lot of people there last week. I don't know what the final number was. There was a lot of people there last week. God did that. I was so proud of Brother Miguel. If you guys could have just been there, I got a first a front row seat. But he just, he, he wasn't waiting for him to come to him. He's going out and getting them. And he said, come here, I want to tell you this. And he'd rope them in and he would tell them the gospel over and over and over and over and over and over again. We put, little, we put little QR codes in those papers that we hand out. You know what a QR code is? You put your phone on and it brings up, it brings up a video to you uh, that we made to, to tell them about, about the Lord. There were a lot of people who took those cards who went on and went and watched that video. We can tell. Praise God. What I'm trying to show you is we, we can't be limited by because we're too small. We can't be limited because we don't, we don't have this, we don't have that. What we got to see is how big is our God? Amen? And, and, that, and that's what I, and this, so this is the, uh, uh, this is the uh, thing I can't unpreach once I preach this. I, I want to try to lay out for you what, some of the things uh, this morning and tonight, some of the things that God is laying on my heart. And I want us to understand, um, God wants to do great big things with Sand Hill Church. It's not because you have a great pastor. I, I think on purpose, I think God put a pastor here who is not a good speaker, who is not eloquent, who is not outstanding in the community, who is not, nothing big. No one's ever going to say, well, what happened to Sand Hills because they got such a great pastor? That's never going to be said, right? But we can say it's because they got a great God. Amen? And most of you, as much as I love you guys, most of you are very, very ordinary. Most of you are very, very ordinary. 
Listen, we don't have doctors and lawyers here and smart people and, and, and all these different things. We have ordinary, plain people who should not be able to do the things we are doing. Does anybody see what I'm trying to paint you a picture? If we had a whole bunch of really smart, you know, a lot of churches, they've got doctors and lawyers and they've got all kinds of money and they've got all kinds of talent and they've got people who can run businesses and corporations and have all kinds of great things and they do something and they could possibly say, well, yeah. But they look at Sand Hill and say, what do you got? Well, I got some truck drivers, got some people that ain't nobody, some factory workers. What's their, what's their, what kind of degrees do they have? Must be their degrees. No. Nope. A lot of them didn't even make it through high school, right? Well, what, 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 what's the, f it's God. It's God. If anything happens here, it's God. And, and, and so the world can see that, and the world is taking notice of that, and people are noticing that, that God is doing something, and it is, it is because God has a purpose in what he's doing. He wants to show himself great, and he sometimes, the first chapter of 1 Corinthians says he uses the small things, the weak things, the, the unwise things, the, the not the noble. He uses those small things to show himself great. I think about this all the time. I think about this all the time. I, I have come to accept, Brother Charles, I have come to accept the way God it makes me, has made me. I, I am not smart. I'm not a good speaker. I, I, don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of gifts or talents. I don't really have hardly anything. I can't sing. I, I don't have anything to offer God. And I think to myself, praise God, he's looking for me. He's, if you're really, really super talented, he didn't say he was looking for you. But if you don't have anything, he's looking for me. He specifically wrote it in his word. He's looking for me, a nobody. That's who he wants. Hey, you found him. He's right here. Right? And God said, I can take that nobody and do something great with him because it ain't about him. It's all about me. Amen. So I want to try to lay out a little bit what we need to do going forward. I'd like for you to write these down. I think we've got a slot on the thing to do this. I'd like for you to write these down. I would like for these to become our... Um, uh, uh, our dictates on, on moving forward. I'd like to see us do a lot more outreach events. We plan on doing the, the live nativity this year. I've already talked about Miguel. I'd like to see us do many outreach events like that because, because that's how we reach the world. We don't reach them in here. We reach them out there. I'd like to see us expand what we can do as a church in, in many different directions, but we, but we need some standards to go by. So some standards for the ministry. I'm just going to give you these. I'd like for you to really write them down, take them to heart. And, and, I, and I want you to understand this is what we need to do to, to bring glory to God. I really believe, I believe strongly in this first one. Um, you can disagree with me, but I believe very strongly in this. I believe we need a commitment to excellence. Here, here's where the pastor's at. Well, let me say this first. I despise seeing people do things poorly and then saying this is for Jesus. I despise that. I see churches, their churches run down. They're doing things. The, the technical thing is awful. Everything they do is absolutely awful. And they say, but we love Jesus. Do you understand we live in a culture and a world where the world already looks down on the church? When we do really shoddy work, they say, yeah, it's just them stupid Christians. We ought to be doing excellence. And I say, if we can't do it excellent, we don't do it at all. I tell CJ and Josh, do this right or don't do it. But there's no other choice. If we're going to put out a flyer, it's going to look professional. It's not going to look uh, like, like some uh, a four-year-old did it. We're going to do things right. We're going to make Jesus look good. We're going to make this building look good. I don't want people to come in here and say, oh, 
They must not care much about this building. I want them to understand this is important. Everything we do is important. So we're going to do things with excellence. And so anything we go to take on, I want us to make a commitment. We're going to do it right. We're going to do it right. Amen? We're going to do it right. Now this next one, uh, you just put your seatbelts on. All right. God's economy. God's economy. I believe this with all of my heart. I believed it since I was a little kid. I believe it stronger today than I ever have. God's economy. Look right here. God doesn't want your money. Look right here. God doesn't want your money. He's not after your money. Does he need your money? He has, could God send us a check? Could I go to the mailbox tomorrow and there be a check in there for $10 billion? Easy as that. I mean, it's just that easy. Could he send us a hundred billion dollars? Could he send us a check and say, here, go give this to the supposed president and let him pay off the national deficit? Yes, he could do that with, with no effort whatsoever. Now, if he paid off the national deficit of the United States, would he be any less rich than he is right now? Have just as much money as he had for. So why does he need your $50 in the offering? He doesn't. And he doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Now, let me just, the Bible teaches tithing. The Bible teaches giving. But here's what I want you to understand. I love Jesus. I just don't believe I have to tithe. You don't have to tithe. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. But see, he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. So some of you look at me and say, Pastor, I don't care about money. It, do, it means nothing to me. I, I love Jesus and I don't care about money. I want to guarantee you something. Every single person here, all you super spiritual people with halos on. I'm good. If I walk up to you today and I have a check for a million dollars and I say, here, take this, your heart's going to start running fast. You're going to start envisioning all the things you can buy. You're going to start having fantasies about what you can do. Amen. Amen. If, give me a raise your hand if you wouldn't like me to give you a million dollars this morning. See, you all care about money. And maybe your interest is in guns. Maybe your interest is in uh, tools. Maybe your interest is in vacations. Maybe your interest is in cars or houses or whatever it is. But what your money says is what is important to you. Do you think God understands that? He says, I want to be important to you. When you give me your money, you give me your heart. And when I have your heart, I got everything I need. See, I think we've proven that at Sand Hill. I think we've proven that at Sand Hill. See, you guys are crazy generous giving. I say that all the time. You guys are crazy generous giving. On top of all the giving, over tithing that we do, when we need anything else, people just line up to give more money, right? And then on top of that, you, we do 1,200 boxes of shoeboxes, right? And then on top of that, anything else we want, well, there's money. You know why? Because God said, once I get your heart, I got everything I need. Now, can God give can God give Brother Charles an extra amount of money because God wants Brother Charles to give that extra amount of money to the church? If he has our heart, money is not a problem. If he doesn't have our heart, money is a problem. And so, this isn't a message about, about giving, by the way. I'm, I'm trying to get on to the bigger point here, but this is a message about giving. But I just want to say this here. If you're not tithing, he doesn't have your heart. 
We're in a really unique place at Sand Hill Church. Really, really unique place. Most, I was going to look the statistics up. I've heard it said before, but just off the top of my head, most churches you go to, think about this, most churches you go to, uh, the entire congregation, whether there's, you know, whether there's 50 people there or 500 people there, most churches you go to, it, the statistics are something like 10% of the people there tie, the, the rest of them do not. Can I tell you at Sand Hill, I think it's more like 80 or 90% of the people tithe and the other 10% don't? That's why God's doing something here. It's not because he needs our money. You know, we, we're, we're doing great money. We don't need your money. We need your heart. We need your heart. You say, if I give money, it's not going to change my heart. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. When you give money, your heart will be in the church. You know, when we send those uh, 1,100 uh, boxes, 1,200 boxes overseas, I know some of my money is in those boxes. That's where my heart's at. When we support missionaries, when we, when we give money to people that are in need, when we do all these do, I know that, that I, I have got to be a part of what God is doing. It's my heart. So here's what I want to say. All right? All of that wasn't what I wanted to say. Here's what I want to say. All right? Put your seatbelt on. Are you ready for this? Okay. This is the part I can't take back, Brother Charles. <laughs> After I say this, I can't, I, can't take, I can't put it back in the box. This whole thing is really out of the box for me. Now, God set this up. I have, I have thought this since I was a little kid, but I, I believe it was all my heart. With everything in me, I believe this. You guys do what you want to with it. But I believe with all my heart. If a church will tithe because that is what God wants, God gets their heart. There is enough money to do anything we want to do. Do we believe that? Now, here, here a lot of amens on that one. Let's just see, let's run it back up the flagpole a minute. So if God tells us to do something and it's going to cost $50,000, we don't say, well, we would, but we don't have the money. We said, that's what God wants. We're going to do it. That's crazy. Not any crazier than taking 300 people and going out to hundreds of thousands of people to fight. See, God doesn't need our money. God needs our heart. And there will be enough money to do anything he wants us to do. And I, and I really am burdened. About, listen, I, I don't believe in, I just had a meeting with the deacons. Uh, we've had, we've had uh, long discussions about this. That money that we have in the treasure is not our money. It is God's money. And I tell the deacons, we better be careful how we spend God's money because it is literally God's money. And God have mercy on us if we waste it or just, uh, just waste it away. We have, to, we, have to, we have to understand it is God's money. But God is not stingy. God is generous. And so, yes, we don't want to just waste it, but we don't also want to say, well, let's do this event, but let's just, just be as cheap as we can and get by. No, God said, I'm a rich God. I can do what I want. Let's do it for the glory of God. God's economy says if we will give him our heart, he'll provide all of our needs. She, uh, Maria stole my verse I was going to use, but, uh, but she stole it from me. But uh, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything you can think. So we think we're going to do a big youth camp. He said, I can do way bigger than that. We're going to do a bunch of boxes. He said, I can do way bigger than that. We're going to do an event in Castilla. I can do way bigger than that. We're going to start another event. I can do way bigger than that. He's not bound by our money. He's not bound by our, a number of people. He is God. If we get that in our heads, we don't go out of here saying, what little small thing can we do? 
I think that thinking has pretty much gone from, from Sandhill, but I just want you to know that, that we have a big God and, and he has an economy that says he will, he will finance what he, now we're going to talk tonight about how we know what he wants us to do. But for this morning, I just want to say, if God tells us to do it, there'll be enough money to do it. Anybody else believes that? Amen. All right. Number three, number three, we need a big vision. I want to say this. If we come up with something we can do, it ain't big enough. Anybody get that? But Terry got it. <laughs> if we come up with something we can do, it's not big enough. See, Gideon, Gideon could have realistically said, guys, we are really good fighters. There's 300 of us and we are well trained. I think we could whoop 600 of them. I think we can whoop 900 of them. That's only three guys a piece we got to whoop. But is there, any, is there any general in his right mind that says, each one of you have got to whoop 10,000 people and we'll win this battle? Has anybody got that? I mean, that's not logical, right? So there's no way Gideon can win this battle. It's not possible. But he did. But he did. See, we need a vision here for Sandhill Church. Whenever we're going to plan an event, whenever we're going to, when we're going to do something new, when we're going to start an mission, we're going to do something. We don't need to say, what can we do? We have 50 people. We have X number of dollars. What can we do? We need to say, how big could God do this? Because he owns everything. You say, Pastor, you sound like a charismatic. You sound like, you, you sound like you've lost your mind. No, I just believe we have a big God. And I believe we make him way too small when we do things because we think, how can we do it? We can't. And, and, and I believe God wants to do it to his glory. And I think we need to, to have a vision on what makes God big instead of what we are able to do. So we need to stop thinking. I got a few, I got a few things here. You, you can do what you want to. This is just a little rambling on my own. We're still under big vision. <clears throat> We're just a small church. Stop it. Stop it. We don't have enough money. Stop it. Stop it. We've never done this before. Stop it. Stop doing that. I don't think we can, but God can, but God can. See, if we were a church that really believed that God could do anything and we really believe that he's prepared us to be used to do anything and we're doing it for his glory and not ours, what is there we can't do? What is there we can't do? We can do anything. And God can do great things to his glory. I believe we already, here's what I believe, church. I believe he's already been doing that. I believe we already, see, we talked in Sunday school about what God is doing. I believe that in the OCC and in the NOIC and in the, in the outreach events and things, I believe God is already starting to, to show himself great uh, through a church that is really a nobody. But I believe he wants a lot more. I believe he wants a lot more, a lot bigger than what he has. So we need a big vision. These last two are extremely important. I'm not going charismatic on you, but I am going biblical on you. Is that all right? Number four, we need to look for God. We need to look for God. If we're going to plan an event, if we're going to do NOIC, if we're going to do Shabbat, whatever we're going to do, we're going to start a new ministry, we're going to do something, whatever, we need to look for God. Is what's happening in this bigger than us is what's happening supernatural is what's happening a miracle or is it what we can do 
You know, even though we're a bunch of nobodies and even though we don't have any rich people and even though we're just kind of ordinary and plain and we got an ordinary plain pastor, we can still pull ourselves together and do some pretty cool things. So if we go down to the lodge or down to the, you know, the Eagles, the Elks, one of those places like that, and, and we had all of us people here, we could all really put our minds to it and we could do some pretty cool things without God. Are you guys with me? If that's what we're doing here, that's not good enough. It needs to be bigger than that. We need to look for, is God in this? Is God doing this? I, 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 I don't even, I can't even get my brain, most of the time it hurts my brain, I hardly even think about it because it hurts my brain so much. But I remember, and those of you that were here, I remember when the, when the youth camp started, there was a brother who came to me, he said, we've never had a youth camp before, can we start one? I said, sure, I'll help you. We got into it together, didn't have a clue how to start a youth group or anything else. And we started it, had a few churches come in. Can anybody explain how from that day until now, there's just everybody in the, and everybody wants to be a part of it? Listen, that's a God, that's not a, listen, that's not a Josh thing. That, that's where we go wrong. It's not a Josh thing. It's a God thing. People aren't wanting to be involved because of Josh. They want to be involved because of God. There's something there that is different that they can't find any place else and they want to be a part of it. It's not because Josh is super cool. It is because God's there. And, and I'm not saying that to criticize Josh. I'm saying it ain't about him. It's about God. I don't want people coming to this church because they like Gary or they like, I want people coming to the church because they found God here. I don't want people coming to our events and saying Sand Hill is super awesome. I want them coming there and saying, wow, what kind of a God do you have? How did 50 people do this? It's not possible. Yeah, I know. That's why we're doing it. It's not possible. We need to look for God. It needs to be supernatural. I, 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 I know we've got to get out of here, but do you guys get that? Am I clear? Do I need to repeat it? If we're doing things and it's not supernatural, then we're doing things. And God needs to be doing things. And when God does it, you won't be able to explain it. The last one, I want you to write it down. Adrian Rogers says, I love it. Write it down big, write it down plain, and write it down straight. I can't say it like he does, but he say that all the time. I want you to write this one down big, plain, and straight. I, I want you to, I want this, and, I, and I'm not trying to be uh, um, um, mean this morning. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to be your pastor. I'm going to give you a standard that we need. And this last one, we probably need worse than all the rest of them, in all honesty. But I want you to get this next point. I want you to write it down, highlight it, underline it. I want you to refer back to it. We're going to go forth in our in our uh, ministry, we're going to have a commitment to excellence. We're going to understand God's economy can pay for everything. We're going to look for big visions. Uh, we're going to look for things that God's in. But I want you to write this last one down, big, plain, and straight. When it's in the flesh, stop. When it's in the flesh, stop. Now, everybody's agreeing with me and shaking their heads and, and thinking that's great, but let me explain what I mean because you might stop shaking your head here in a minute. <clears throat> wasn't OCC awesome? That was awesome. I mean, I don't know how to put it in other words. It was just, it was awesome. I remember the girls came to me, uh, and I don't remember how long it was been, but I think it was Renee and Chrissy and Jamie and Rachel and a few of them, maybe Jenny, and a few of them that had went to see, I went to see an OC speaker just like Maria, and they went to, and they come back, and they were, they said me at McDonald's, and they were crying, and they were carrying on, and we got this new ministry we want to start. I said, well, it sounds like a good thing to me, let's do it. And who would have ever dreamed that just in four or five years this is where we would be? 
But I want to show you something. We set out a goal to do a thousand. We far exceeded that. People just almost every Sunday, people coming in with bags and stuff, right? That's exciting. That's exciting. People coming in with joy. Now, I know it, it's, it's, I told Renee, I said, honey, you finally did it. You figured out how to go shopping and do it for the Lord. But anyways, I know you women, you get to spend money and you get to be working for the Lord. And I know it's not a real, it's not a real sacrifice to go buy a bunch of stuff. But anyways, back to the thought. So we, we brought the stuff we needed for the shoe boxes, but now, uh, I don't know if they even really thought about it. Now, not only do we have to get enough stuff to fill the shoe boxes, but now we got to go out there and fill them. There's a lot to that. So Renee had planned on, she was going to have like three weeks, she was going to be over here from early morning to late at night every day to get everything done. To her surprise, I mean, I get on my phone, I'm looking at, I can see the parking lot while I'm at work, I'm looking at the parking lot, I think, what in the world, there's all kinds of people that they have in church without me, right? She says, you won't believe this one, and she sent me a long list of all the people there, she says, we got so much help, and, and we, was it amazing how it was laid out yesterday? Was that amazing? Here's what I was thinking. I, I was having a hard time choking back the tears yesterday. It was just very, very, very moving for me. And it was moving for me because of the kids. It was moving for me because of what God is doing. But here's what I thought. See, I think a lot of times we think um, Renee's finally getting the hang of it or, or we're finally getting smarter. Did it ever occur to you that for five years God has been going through the process of training us how to do that? And we did it. See, it wasn't that Renee got smarter. It was that God said, I got to prepare you and run you through the process so you can have this. I think any church on the planet would come out to Sandhill Church. If you have 5,000 people, if you're watching online, I invite you to come to Sandhill Church and look at our packing party and show me you do it better. Because we did it great. Why? Because Renee's great? No, it's because God has trained, is processing us, equipping us to be able to do that. And there's a lot of people that came out and it all got done and all got done. But here's what I want you to see. This is, this is, I'm still under uh, the flesh getting, uh, doing it. Here's what I want you to see. You guys came out during the week and worked. And you had fun. You were excited. You enjoyed it. And it was a huge blessing. I want you to listen plain and straight. When we come out here and we start fighting with each other, when we're mad at each other, when we're annoyed at each other, stop. Stop. We're not going to do that anymore. Listen, you can get you another pastor, but we're not going to do that anymore. I'm tired of coming over here. Well, they're not here. They're out having fun, and I'm here working. Well, stop. Stop right there and go home. Don't do it anymore. It has to be done. No, it doesn't because you're doing it in the flesh. You're doing it in Satan. You're not doing it in God. If you're doing it in God, you wouldn't be that way. And when we come over here to work for camp or OCC or an event or anything else, and it makes you mad, it gets you in the flesh, and you are not doing it in God. You are doing it in yourself. And I have said for a long time, if you're doing any job in this church and you're aggravated and mad and hateful all the time, stop! Stop! We're not doing that anymore. I don't know how we're going to pull this off. I understand Josh is just mind-blowed with thinking about camp next year. I think he's a little bit like his dad. He's probably afraid to think about it, how big it is. I'm supposed to be the director. Since I don't have a clue what to do next year. I'll be honest, I don't have a clue how to do it. But here's what I want to say. I want to say it big, plain, and straight. You can find another pastor. We're not going to do another year like we did last year. We're not going to do that. We're not coming back here when camp is over and I've got half my people don't even want to go to church anymore and we're so used up and we're so burned out and we're so sinful because we've worked so hard. Listen, we weren't working for God. We were working for flesh. 
And when sin comes in the door, you weren't doing it for God. You were doing it for yourself. And we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. You say, what happens if we don't have enough time to do it? Either God's going to do it or we're not going to do it. But we're not going to come out here and, and, and do it in the flesh and let the flesh have its way. Is anybody with me? Do we want a church that's run by the flesh or do we want a church that's run by God? Listen, this isn't about how smart we are. It's about not how good of workers we are. It is about how big our God is. Can God put together camp in 2022? What if he gets 200 more people? Is God saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. God says, that's not a problem. You say, where are we going to sleep? I have no idea. (laughs) How are we going to feed them? I don't know. What are we going to do a lot? I have no clue. But God does. But God does. If you come back tonight, we're going to tell you how we're going to do this. Um, as scared as I was about this morning, as much as I'm more scared tonight, because tonight is very, very out of the box for me. We're going to talk about how we're going to do this. But I just want you to understand, we're going to do something in this church. We want to do it with excellence. We, we, we want to do it uh, uh, um, um, to the glory of God. We want to have God's economy knowing it can do it. We want a big vision. Uh, we want to do it in the spirit, the supernatural guys do it. And we want to not do it in the flesh. I believe that is highly biblical, and I believe we will do that. I believe God can do amazing things at Sand Hill Church. Anybody with me? Amen. Anybody with me? Amen. So let's do it. Amen? Amen. Motion to second, all in favor, amen? amen? Let's do it. Let's say God's in it, we're going forward, and we're not going to let the flesh have its way. And let other people just say back and say, wow, what a God they serve. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.